0: TYB On The Run with your host, Katie Halden. This is your daily Bible Blast, the perfect fit for your busy life. Just one chapter, one revelation. This will change your life. Hi, TYB on the run. Welcome to Revelation 2. I'm going to try not to get so loud and excited to blow your eardrums out. <laughs> I cannot guarantee it. you may have to turn me down. But this is an incredible text. Again, we are sitting in this apocalyptic literature. It was very common in first century. There's so many books, Bell and the Dragon. They're all apocalyptic literature. And they would have known exactly what John and what the intention of the book was. The book's intention was for heaven to be opened before you and for you to see Jesus, to see Father God, to see what's happening in the heavenlies and to revisit perspective on what's going to happen on the earth. And that's the whole point of an apocalyptic text to show you that no matter what's happening here on earth, God is completely in control. And again, we are not looking this from an end times perspective. I'm not going to go through um, the mud map or the blueprint that people are so happy to be safe and securing. Do you know why I'm not happy with that blueprint? Because you're secure in the blueprint, not in the God who gave you the blueprint. (laughs) I hear some people and they're like, no, I have to know exactly what's happening in the end times and I have to exactly know when we're going to be raptured and then seven years later there's tribulation and three and a half years between that we're going to have an antichrist and then this is going to happen and the second coming is going to happen and then this is. Your security is in the blueprint. Your security is in your little mud map of what you think God is saying. Can I say the first time Jesus arrived, everybody got it wrong. (laughs) And I can guarantee the second time he's coming back, everybody is going to get it wrong. (laughs) We have to trust the God that he knows. We have to trust in our God. We have to trust that when Jesus comes back, that is the sound that we are waiting for. We may not know when that is going to happen. We may go through persecutions and suffering, but you know what? I'm going to be here on earth facing no matter what I have to face. Why? Because revelation tells me my God is completely in control. So if you're looking for a mud map of end times, this is not podcast for you. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to go through it from a historical point of view. Like every other book in the Bible, let's go to the church in Ephesus. Now we're in the letter section of Revelation. What does that mean? We've got apocalyptic, and then a letter section, and then prophecy. Okay, three genres in one. This is such a mix and I love it. This is the letter section. So John is saying, hey, I'm going to give you this fresh revelation. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, right. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. To the church in Smyrna, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these are the words of, of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown." whoever has ears let them hear what the spirit says to the churches the one who is victorious will be will not be hurt at all by the second death last to the church in pergamum we'll just do one more to the angel of the church in pergamum write these are the words of him who has the sharp double edged sword i know where you live where satan has his throne Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives." Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of them hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. We can't go through the next one, guys. What I'm going to do in these, chapter 2 and 3, are these letters to the churches. So what I'm going to do is give you the tools to be able to read them, and then I might go into just some details in relation to Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamon. because what happens in these texts, there's a couple of things that this literary genius, John, who wrote this book, and I have to say I cannot wait to get to heaven and say, okay, who wrote Revelation? Was it the beloved disciple? Was it another prophet? Who wrote it? Because well done, it is the best book of the Bible. Um, we have these things that he's written to every church. Now, every church has this essence of this angelic presence to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Guys, don't take that too far. I've heard some weird teaching on this. It's basically saying the presence of God, the presence of um, his creations over these churches, basically saying, I know you're on earth, but there is still spirituality over you. You have these this essence of spiritualness. And sometimes I get a bit sad that we don't see angels today because angels – In the Old Testament, angels in the New Testament were a common thing. And when we hear angel, we start to get weird. I mean, I've heard some weird um, deliverance ministry teaching. And I have to say, don't make it weird, people. Just because the power of God and angels aren't, aren't common to us today, don't make them weird. They are very common. We should be supernatural people. So these are the words of him. This is to Ephesus. Um, And we know that John, if this is John, the beloved disciple, is living in Ephesus at this, this time. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, let me just go back a bit. These are to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When you look at a map of, um, and if you want to go into the TYB interactive, we have a map in the book of Revelation that shows you where these churches are. He has put them in the order of how you would um, visit them if you were walking the trade route. Okay. So the common highway through Asia Minor, visits Ephesus, Ephesus, then Smyrna, then Pergamum, then Thyatira, then Sardis, then Philadelphia, then Laodicea. It's kind of like the the mail route, let's say. If you were visiting, if you were delivering these letters, you would get off the boat and you would deliver them in these this order. So he's kind of knows what does that mean? John knows these cities. He's across these cities. He's probably the apostle that governs and and oversees these cities. And his heart is breaking for these cities because he can't get near them. So he's decided to write letters to them. And each letter has this, a revelation of Jesus at the beginning, a what he knows about that church because he intimately knows them because he's the oversight of those churches, a warning to the church, and then a declaration, are you going to listen to me? And if you do listen to me, there is a reward. Can I say this is the blueprint for the whole of the book of Revelation? The revelation of Jesus is supposed to get you to realize that your King of Kings and Lord of Lords is far above your circumstances. So he always puts this revelation of Jesus in the beginning. In throughout the text of Revelation, we have these moments where we know God understands our pain here on earth. And that's what he does to these letters. He says, I know your deeds, I understand what you're what you're suffering, I understand that you're poor. And he throughout the book of Revelation, we feel this essence of God understanding that things are getting bad here on this earth. Then we know throughout the book of Revelation, we have a warning. Same in the blueprint of these letters, we have a revelation of Jesus. We have a, I know what's happening here on earth. Don't think I'm not, I'm not there. I understand it. And then a warning, hey, don't get caught up in what's happening here on earth. Then we have in every one of them, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Oh my gosh, if I could preach a whole message just on that TYB on the run. If you're not listening, if you're not listening to what the Spirit is saying to the churches, if you're not listening to what God is saying, you're not going to understand the times to which we live in. And he keeps saying, hey, I'm just going to remind you, every church, listen to what the Spirit is saying. And then he says, to those who do listen, and he gives you a reward at the end. Now, some of them don't actually have the rewards at the end. You can have a look at those when you study this. But he gives you these blueprint, and this is very much the text of Revelation, you get the revelation of Jesus at, at the beginning and you have a choice. Are you going to hold on to that revelation throughout the text, knowing that things are going to get bad and things are going to go wrong? Are you going to know that he is with you? Are you going to get heed the warning to not be involved in Babylon? We're going to get to Babylon in the text. Not to be involved in the circumstances of society. Not to be involved in everything that's going on, economics, politics, all this stuff going on on this earth. We're not to get involved in that because it's like getting wrapped up in Babylon. Are you listening to me, TYB? And then he gives this warning saying, hey, watch these things here on earth. And then he says, listen to what the spirit of God is saying. And then he gives you a a reward. Now, how cool is this? The seven churches. Do you remember in Revelation one, we had a vision of Jesus. Do you remember if you didn't listen to Revelation one, don't listen to Revelation two, go back quick, jump back in Revelation one. We had a vision of Jesus and that vision was you saw him, the son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his golden sash around this incredible vision that we're supposed to have throughout the in our memory throughout the whole text. The cool thing about what John has done here is the beginning statement of every church in these seven churches has a portion of the vision of Jesus in Revelation 1. In, in Ephesus he says these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. To Smyrna, he says, these are the words of him who is the first and the last. To Pergamum, these are the words of him who has the shaft. Can you see? He's divvying up the revelation of Jesus amongst the churches. These are the words of the Son of God. That's Thyatira. Sardis, these are the words who holds the seven spirits of God. Philadelphia, again, don't separate the Holy Spirit into seven. It means perfection and completion. Don't get weird. Philadelphia, these are the words of him who is holy and true. Laodicea, these are the words of the Amen. Amen. Can I say this was a revelation I got as I'm studying this text? Every church has a facet of Jesus, and when you can't see Jesus in his fullness until you put all those churches together. Oh, how good is that? Drop the mic. John is done. Every church has a facet of Jesus, and it's until you put those churches in unity, these seven churches as a representative of the body of Christ, When you put those churches in unity, it is only then that Christ is revealed in his fullness. TYB, do not be a denomination snob (laughs) because you only reveal a portion of Jesus to the world. I get so frustrated sometimes with Pentecostals. I mean, I'm Pentecostal and I love Pentecostals, but we are snobs when it comes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's like we've We've got him. I nearly said nailed it. You don't want to say nailed it with Jesus. We've got him covered, let's say. Holy Spirit, we're Pentecostals. We know all about the Holy Spirit. And we dismiss this understanding that the body of Christ, the Baptists, the Anglicans, we're all in this together and we all reveal facets of Jesus through our ministries. Salvation Army, I can imagine Salvation Army, they're the hands They're Jesus' hands. They're the ones washing the dishes and doing all the stuff. I can imagine, you know, the Baptists are so much better at us, Pentecostals. Are you listening to biblical scholarship and and study and Anglicans? We've all. The body of Christ reveals the body of Christ. And can we not, and I'm not going to take this too far. I'm not saying that each church has a portion and you only reveal your portion. But what I'm saying is in unity we express Christ in fullness. It's when we get to heaven and there's no denominational barriers. And that makes me so excited when these stupid denominational barriers come down and we all just worship Jesus together. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, Ephesus, Smyrna, don't get snobby about your your warning and your, your critique here, because we're all in this together. So let's have a look. In Ephesus, he says this, I know your deeds. Now, when you study these from a historical perspective, which is what I'm doing in my master's, when you study the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, he's speaking specifically into idolatry in those locations. Jewish idolatry, he calls it the synagogue of Satan, which is so controversial. Um In other idolatry, he talks about the Nicolaitans, which you can study. Who are they in this time? He talks about the teaching of Balaam and Balak. So what he does is he kind of gets these things that are maybe incorrect, idolatries in these cities, and he says, watch those things, guys, because they're going to become a big deal. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance is Ephesus. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles. So he's talking about the false false teachers, he's saying, look, you know, you've done really well in the false teachers that have come in and said we are apostles. You've persevered, endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Can I say, Katie's pet peeve about end times teaching, and you can switch me off if you like, that's fine. Katie's pet peeve about end times teaching is we are raptured before the tribulation. Yet everything in Revelation and everything in my New Testament says endure no matter what is happening he says here to the to ephesus he says you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary the people that are honored in the book of revelation are the martyrs that endured unto death yet i have put a blueprint over the top of it that says christians will escape because god doesn't put his wrath upon his people and we have this unusual Teaching in the body of Christ that says escapism is better than endurance. I don't read that in the Book of Revelation, and I do not see that in the old, in the New Testament text. Paul says, James says, blessed are those, <laughs> you know, who endure. Paul says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Um, with a, consider it pure joy, my people. James says, when you suffer, Christianity isn't about escaping. Um, you know, persecution or things that go hard. It's about knowing who is with you and enduring. So guys, this is why I'm a bit anti end times rapture theology. You can turn me off if you don't like this. I don't mind. But I'm saying this, don't expect that you will be raptured and have your security in escape when sometimes God calls us. To endure, He's still with you in the persecution. If we have to go through tribulation, bring it on, because I know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I know that in this book, those who endure are those who get get rewarded. So there's my pet peeve, pet peeve one of Revelation teaching. We are going to hold, and He says, "Yet I hold this against you: you forsaken your first love." Now, some people say this first love is their love for Christ. When you study Ephesus and Ephesians, some people actually say their first love was their love for evangelism. Oh, that their love for Christ was so great. Um, but their first love, their love for others was lost. So whatever that is, have a study of it. Consider how far you have fallen, repent, and do the things you did at first. There's always this beautiful essence. And he says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, he gives you the warning. I love this church, TYB. He'll give you the warning. He'll tell you what, what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong, but if you don't have ears to hear, you won't accept it. And he says this here, this whole book is about a warning of being encompassed, being surrounded in life, being in the economy of the world, being wrapped up in Rome is what they, they would have really heard, being wrapped up in the economy of the world, having your security in the things of this earth. And he's saying, watch that because the earth is about to be shaken. The things of this earth are about to be shaken and Satan is going to be bound. These are all going. And if you have your security in the things of this earth and not in the things of heaven, He's saying if you're not listening to this and you're not hearing what God is saying, your security is going to go in the end. And he says this to the one who is victorious, to the one who listens, to the one who is repents, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Can you hear all of these Old Testament moments, the tree of life, you know, all these this golden sash, all these incredible the, te- the lampstands, the old the revelation text has over 500 allusions to the old testament. Now what's an allusion T Y B? An allusion is not not a direct quote, not not a reference as in a direct quote. But an illusion, you are supposed to know your Old Testament so well that you know that this allusion to the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, is the restoration of Eden that happens at the end of the book. You're supposed to know all of this. He's giving you glimpses of hope. So go through it and remember, I've got to look through it with the eyes of the Old Testament. Why? Because this is the climax of the Old Testament. Everything that happened in the Old Testament climaxes and finishes in this book. Garden of Eden, yes recreation at the end. Jerusalem. Yes, we know what happens to Jerusalem at the end. Babylon. Yes, we know what happens to Babylon at the end. (laughs) Satan, the beast, everything in the Old Testament has its finality in the book of Revelation. And it tells you what is going to happen. Let me tell you what it is. The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you're focused on the things of this world more than you are focused on the revelation of Jesus Christ, then you're going to have an issue at the end because the things of this world are going to get hard and, and fall away. Okay, Smyrna, we have this again, revelation, portion of a revelation of Jesus, and he talks about the synagogue of Satan. Smyrna and Ephesus and Pergamum have what's called the imperial cult temples within them, and the imperial cult temples were one of the numerous multiple idolatries in this time. It's not just the only thing that the revelation is addressing, but it is one of them. Imperial cult worship was the worship of the emperor and Ephesus, Smyrna and Pergamum have massive imperial cult temples that you can go in and worship the emperor in. And he specifically addresses these, these things in kind of like a metaphorical way. You're supposed to know So where he says, um, in Pergamum, he says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. He's talking about this imperial cult temple where you go into the imperial cult temple to worship the emperor yet you remain true to my name. He's giving them an encouragement. You do not renounce your faith in me. What happened in these imperial cult temples where they actually had to go in and renounce Jesus and they they wouldn't be persecuted. Not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. (laughs) Imagine you all want to go and live in Pergamum, don't you? Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. And he talks about the sin of Balaam. And then he talks about Nicolaitans again, this understanding of what that is. Um, And then he says, I've given you your warning, whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit is saying. And then he says to the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. Oh, it's an Old Testament reference to the bread. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it, this beautiful essence of purity, this beautiful essence of white stone with a new name written on it. Can I say there are some things in this text that people have really studied and and we're not going to know what the white stone with the new name is written on it. Why? Because it's kind of like a reward that you don't know yet. It's a surprise party. Some things in Revelation, let them be Revelation. (laughs) <laughs> Don't overanalyze them so your, your minuscule little brain wants to work them out. Let them experience the text of Revelation. So, guys, I have studied only just three church, three churches there. I've given you the pattern, and I want you to now go and study Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. You're going to have historical points in there. They're going to talk about specific idolatry in their city. He's going to give them a revelation of Jesus. He's going to give them a a, a well done. I know that you're you're going through persecution. He's going to give them a warning and he's going to say, if you don't heed these warnings, you're not listening to the spirit of God. And then he's going to give them a reward Some of them are reward for listening. How cool is this? Jump into the letters, go historical, read about Thyatira, read about Sardis, read about all of these beautiful cities. These are actual locations that he's speaking to. So don't spiritualize them. They're actual locations. And when you read those actual locations, each location reveals Jesus in a new way. There you go. Revelation 2, I cannot wait to read another chapter of Revelation with you.